Why can we be so successful in every area of our lives except weight loss? Why do we dismiss what an incredible mother, partner, friend, and leader we are and chalk ourselves up to utter failures because we aren't at our goal weight? Why do we use our strengths to the benefit of every other person in our lives except ourselves? If you're ready to shift from the inside out, this month's mindset class is for you. It's called Hire Yourself as the CEO of Your Life. In this class, you will take some fun assessments that make you feel more like you and help you to love and like yourself. You'll learn your natural strengths so that you can apply them to your weight loss goal. You'll uncover the mental blocks preventing you from using your strengths in weight loss, even though you see yourself using them in every other area of your life. You'll discover your personal values and find how they align to your health journey, freeing up your self-care actions to naturally flow with integrity, ease, and joy. You'll create weight loss strategies to approach your goal in a way that will be enjoyable and meaningful for you while still getting the results that you want. Sign up at bit.ly slash self-care keto class or grab the link in the show notes today. There's been something that's been on my heart and my mind a lot lately that I wanted to share with you all and talk with you all about today. And that is this idea of shoulds versus wants versus what we will call knowing. And this term knowing is actually something that I've been reading about in Glennon Doyle's latest book called Untamed. And it is absolutely fantastic. And I want to weave some of what she's talking about into um, the episode for today. So when my clients tell me that they had a moment of weakness and ate something that was off plan, I always try to dig deeper into it with them. I want to help them figure out what triggered them. Uh, primarily what thought or belief that they were having in that moment. And usually uh, when I'm having this discussion with them, their response is something along the line of, I know what I should do, but I just end up doing what I want to do instead. Why do I keep doing that? So there's this idea that I've been having that there's kind of three different things that we're wrestling with inside of us. There's what we should do, what we'll call shoulds. And there's what we want right now, which for the purpose of this discussion, we'll call that wants. And then there's actually what we want the most, and we'll call that knowing. So have you heard this uh, quote before that says, success is choosing between what you want right now and what you want most? And I completely agree with that. Um, But I find that most women are actually not operating out of either of those things. They're not doing what they want right now and they're not doing what they want most. They're actually operating out of shoulds. So I want my clients and all women, I want myself to be able to do what we want to do, not what we should do. Because shoulds suck, truly. They they suck the life right out of you. A should is an external locus of control, what someone else wants you to do. My friend Noah Kay, who's an authenticity coach at the Integer Network, he says, and I love this, whenever he hears the word should, he now always asks himself, who says? So good. 
ask yourself that. Next time you feel like you should, ask yourself, who says? Should is what your mom or your dad or your sister or your partner or your doctor or your pastor or your coach or your boss wants you to do. Going a little bit deeper, a should is what marketers want you to do or what your political party wants you to do. Or even for those of us who are religious, what God wants us to do. Or even actually sometimes what we project onto God as what he wants us to do. I have done this. I've seen so many other women do this because we've been taught to believe that what we want doesn't matter compared to what we should do. We've been taught that what we want is not trustworthy because we always want what's bad for us. So like I said, I've been reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And one of the quotes here that I wanted to share with you all is she writes, I had been deceived. The only thing that was ever wrong with me was my belief that there was something wrong with me. I quit spending my life trying to control myself and began to trust myself. We only control what we don't trust. We can either control ourselves or love ourselves, but we can't do both. Love is the opposite of control. Love demands trust. Wow, this was so incredible when I read this. And I also just love that I've been listening to her on some podcasts lately, and she shares her own personal story with, um, she struggled with bulimia and just body dysmorphia, hating her body. And she fully admits that she is just not there yet in that, even in that area, that she still struggles spending so much brain space dedicated to controlling what she eats each day. Um, and, and she grieves over that, but I just so appreciate her vulnerability and sharing that because I think we can relate, right? Like this is such a deeply rooted battle that it's so hard to overcome, but it's a journey and, and we're on it. Um, but man, we can either control ourselves or we can love ourselves, but we can't do both. If we don't trust ourselves, we can't love ourselves. And I, I, I identify with that. I feel like, um, I've always tried to keep such strict control over myself. And I still do this in so many ways because ultimately I fear myself. I fear that what I deeply want is bad for me, or if I indulge it, that I'll wind up in trouble or maybe even worse than me winding up in trouble that I would hurt somebody else in the process, right? Um, So we've been taught this. We've been taught that what we want is always selfish and selfish is bad. So in order to give something more weight, um, we sometimes create the idea that God or someone else who's worthy of getting what they want because what they want is right told us to do it. So we imagine that. I'm not saying we do this consciously, but we imagine sometimes that uh, our mom or dad has this expectation of us, maybe even though they've never actually said that out loud. But because what we think that they want is more right or more trustworthy, then we attribute it to them. Or some of us who are religious have done it with God. Um, I've seen myself do that. I've seen other women that I've worked with do that. Um, Even literally to say, God told me to follow this new diet plan. Why, why, Why can't it just be that I want to follow this new diet plan? Well, because I've made so many bad decisions in the past and I can't be trusted to choose the right one. So instead, God told me to do this one. Um, And 
I've mentioned before that I kind of grew up in um, the Christian evangelical church, and I don't know if there's anybody else that's out there <laughs> that has this happen to you. Did did you ever get dumped because God told the other person to dump you? <laughs> or have you ever dumped someone because you were praying about it and God told you to, <laughs> to dump them? So, I mean, that's just a silly example, though, of like that sometimes we feel like our own we're afraid to just admit what we want, so instead we attribute it to God or we attribute it to somebody else, like I said, who's more worthy of getting what they want because what they want is right. So that person wants us to do it, and we're just following the good thing to do that somebody else has said to do. Um, but the amazing thing is that um, God actually has refused to control us. You know, if you come from a from a, relig- a religious background and you've heard of this concept of free will, like God gave us free will because he loves us and he's refused to control us because that wouldn't be love. Um, instead, he trusts us and, and he woos us, right? So getting back to this topic of, of shoulds, um, shoulds are someone else's agenda for you. Shoulds benefit others. And a lot of times it does feel good to us to do something that benefits others. But overdone, it creates resentment in us. So some of you might be thinking, well, there are some shoulds that really do benefit me. That's true. Um, But if there is a should that truly benefits you, then you have to stop thinking of it as a should and instead think of it differently. Take ownership of it. Turn it into something that you actually want to do because it makes you feel good. So again, this battle between shoulds, wants, and knowing, uh, we can't even get to the battle between what we want now versus what we want most if we don't first clear out the shoulds. So now let's talk about this idea of wants versus knowing. So a want is what we kind of said before. For the purpose of this discussion, let's say that a want is a temporary desire. Um, A want is actually still an, a false, um, inter- it's an external locus of control. It's, or it's a false internal locus of control because what it actually is, is rebellion against the should. Remember, I said that so many of my clients say to me, I know what I should do, but I just end up doing what I want to do instead. So that's not actually what they truly want to do. It's just a rebellion against doing, they're being so sick of doing what the expectations of others are. So A want is what I want right now because I'm sick of doing what I should do. So uh, another quote from Glennon Doyle, she said, rebellion is as much of a cage as obedience is. They both mean living in reaction to someone else's way instead of forging your own. I loved that. That was such an eye-opener for me Um, because, yeah, it does feel like we... Like it's something that we want because it feels good in the moment, but really it's just a cheap substitute. Um, I've done this and I, I talk to so many women who say this, but they say um, a lot of times they find themselves eating because they quote unquote deserve it. Uh, they'll say, you deserve this. So just go ahead and eat it because you spent all day being a good girl and doing all of your shoulds. What you really want is to be appreciated, but you're not getting the appreciation that you want. So you're appreciating yourself (laughs) by allowing yourself to have this thing that you deserve. So maybe a little bit deeper than wanting to be appreciated, you, 
you actually want to feel like you did something that mattered. And we tend to say that something matters if it matters to someone else, not matters to ourselves. But what we really want is to do something that matters to ourselves. So again, we're trying to create this idea that it mattered. So you create this validation through a food reward. So this feels like something that you benefit from, but it actually ends up hurting you. And I always ask my clients when they said that they felt like they deserved it, I ask them, well, did you feel like you deserved a reward or did you feel like you deserved a punishment? And I wait. And, and usually this causes somebody to sit back in their chair and, huh? And the, the responses are like 50-50 because I do find that, that sometimes some of us really do reward ourselves with food or we're trying to reward ourselves with food. Um, but a lot of times we're actually trying to punish ourselves with food. And if we really believe that we deserved a reward, why are we actually giving ourselves a punishment then? Something that's actually bound to make us feel awful afterwards. Well, I think the answer is because we tend to accept what we believe we deserve. So we've talked about the shoulds. We've talked about the wants, which is really just a rebellion to the should. Um, and then there's this idea of the knowing. This is a term that, that Glennon talks about in her book. Um, and what I would say as a knowing is what your deepest self truly wants or what you want most. And this is actually the only true internal locus of control. So again, a, a, a should is an external locus of control. A want is a false internal locus of control because really it's just rebellion to the external should. But a knowing is a true internal locus of control, what you truly want in the long run. And Glennon says this, she says, I now take orders only from my own knowing. Whether I'm presented with a work, personal, or family decision, a monumental or tiny decision, whenever uncertainty rises, I sink. I sink beneath the swirling surf of words, fear, expectations, conditioning, and advice, and I feel for the knowing. And she goes on to say that, you know, some people use another word for the knowing. Some of us would call it wisdom or intuition. Some of us call it God living inside of us. Others of us might call it our deepest self. And she says, it doesn't matter so much what you call it. It matters how you access it and that, and that you do access it. So when you're following your shoulds, you're not free. When you're following your wants or your temporary desires for cheap substitutes, you're still not free. But when you're following your knowing what your deepest self truly wants, what you want most, you are finally free. What does that look like in terms of what you eat? Well, that's actually entirely up to you. For me, freedom could look like never eating cake. And that, that is what it looks like for me. For me. For you, that could look like eating cake on special occasions. And for someone else, that could look like making a cake once a week. So how do you access the knowing? We'll talk about a quick uh, homework assignment here because I'd, I'd love for you to actually do something with this. And, and this is an assignment that I usually do very much at the beginning of working with a new client because I want to help you tap into your why and not a should why, but a real knowing why, one that will last, one that um, will pick you back up when things get hard or when you fail. 
So the homework is to imagine future you and write about her life. It should be like a movie in your mind. Where do you live? Where do you work? What do you wear? How do you talk? Who's in your life and who's not in your life? What are your relationships like? What do you do for self-care? What do you do for fun? Get really, really specific. And I'll, I'll just have one last quote here from Glennon. She says, when we use the language of indoctrination with its should and shouldn't, right and wrong, good and bad, we are activating our minds. That's not what we're going for here because our minds are polluted by our training. In order to get beyond our training, we need to activate our imaginations. Our minds are excuse makers. Our imaginations are storytellers. So instead of asking ourselves what's right or wrong, we must ask ourselves what is true and beautiful. So think about that in terms of your homework assignment. Not what is the ideal version of your life, because ideal we tend to think of shoulds, right? But what is the truest, most beautiful version of your life? And once you have written that out and once you have identified that, I did this myself, so I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be version 1.0. And version 1.0 is because you're still going to have that voice inside of you arguing with yourself, telling yourself, oh, that's too much, or I could never do that because how would it affect other people or whatever. So the shoulds are still going to be creeping up in there. So you're going to have version 1.0 after the first time you read it. Read it over again. Set a timer for like 10 minutes and just make yourself keep writing. You will eventually be able to access the knowing, the imagination, like no limits on it. And you'll come up with version 2.0 that looks a lot closer to, to the actual knowing. So that's your homework is to get that down on paper. Um, your next step, it would be to ask yourself what action steps or what habits do you need to set up to get yourself there, but don't even, don't even go there yet. Just baby steps. Save that for another time. Get your imagination out on paper. I hope that this episode has been helpful for you guys today. Um, I'm still on a journey myself. I don't profess to have this right all the time, but I'm so inspired by Glennon's book and just that I would make every decision not out of a should or out of a rebellion to the should, but out of my own deeper knowing. So I hope this inspires you guys today too. I can't recommend the book enough for you to go buy it. Um, and I look forward to sharing another episode of uh, the Keto Fit Weight Loss Coaching for Women with you all soon. Have a great week. You don't have to eat every meal at home and stick rigidly to a boring meal plan to be successful. You don't have to sacrifice pleasure and fun to get results. In fact, you'll probably self-sabotage if you do it that way. In the Self-Care Keto Restaurant Guide, I take you through a plan to navigate the food opportunities of eating out at restaurants from a mindset of self-care. It's a 38-page, easy-to-use, downloadable, and printable guide. And yes, I tell you exactly what to order at 41 different restaurants, fast food chains, and genres of cuisine, including American, Indian, Italian, Mexican, Chinese, Thai, sushi, etc. But here's what else you'll get from this guide. You'll feel confident and relaxed about going out to eat, whether you choose to eat keto or to have a planned deviation from it. You'll learn about and celebrate your personality type and how that impacts your food choices. Are you an abstainer or a moderator? And what do you do about it? 
you'll learn how to have a planned deviation or a carb up when going out to eat without any guilt or drama. You'll learn how to incorporate carb cycling into your social plans and going out to eat. You'll have strategies for food and alcohol that actually work for you. You'll develop self-awareness and self-compassion for emotional eating on special occasions or even just on the weekends. You'll know how to succeed at any kind of restaurant from fast food to fine dining. You'll feel in control and have zero regrets, and you'll be ready to get right back on track with a healthy mindset after a deviation. Head on over to theketofit.com restaurant to grab your copy today.